welcome to That 30 Show, a podcast where we talk about the good, the bad, and the surprising parts of our 30s. I'm G, and I'm finally 30. I'm excited to find out if 30 really is the new 20, because if it is, then the best years are yet to come. And I'm David. I'm entering my mid-30s. I used to have no back pain or trouble sleeping, but now I live off a healthy diet of self-help books and dream of being in bed by 10pm every night. Join us each week as we try to figure out together what life in your 30s is all about. Welcome back to That 30 Show. <laughs> Welcome back everyone right. and hey Michael, how's it going? I'm yeah, good guys, thanks uh, for having me. We've got uh, Michael on as our first guest of season two. So Ooh, no pressure. That's really exciting. No pressure at all. Um, we uh, just want to thank Michael for coming on today. I'll do a little bit of an intro and then uh, and then we'll dive right into our topic of the day. So in no particular order, this is not from uh, most important Michael's, to Michael's resume, his, his yeah. LinkedIn account. He just he just <laughs> just reciting his LinkedIn achievements. Most important to least important, but. Um, so Michael is a newish member of the 30s club as well. So happy to have you uh, join join your 30s. He's a uh, newlywed. I I don't know if I can still say newlywed, but How it was, it was, was this it? year. So that's yeah, back in back in January. It, it it feels like a lifetime ago, honestly. But uh, really, only like what seven eight months. Yeah, yeah. So I think you can you can still say newlywed. He's a homeowner, which is uh, in Vancouver. In Vancouver. <laughs> very very impressive. Um, he is an only child. He is also one of the most uh, hardworking people I know. So it's probably how he became a surgeon. Ooh. Damn, um, that's sexy. Yo, Michael is so <laughs> freaking attractive. Like, look at look at this guy. He's like a million dollars. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Feeling <laughs> um, <laughs> very uncomfortable here. <laughs> um, but we'll we'll definitely get into that uh, throughout the podcast because that's what we're we're here to talk about today. Um, aside from that, fun stuff. He also enjoys running. I think you've recently done some like races, half marathons, full marathons. What what, what did you do? Yeah, I did a, I did two halves, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One so one was the BMO, and the other one was like the it was a Vancouver half out of UBC. Yeah, but thank you, for, yeah. thank you for mentioning that. That's that's great. Yeah, I knew you wanted that on the on the pod. So, <laughs> um, and you also enjoy biking, swimming, so you know, staying active. Do you, um, you do triathlons? Because that's that's the triathlon right there. No man. So so I tried to be. Uh, I, I did. I started training for a half marathon because everybody else around me was doing it, and uh, when it was really time to, you know, we started getting to swimming, we started biking and stuff like that. But really, when it came down to like, oh, you know, we should actually do the half marathon, or we should do the uh, Ironman and stuff like that. That's for the real athletes. So that's not me. I'm just no, doing that's, this kind of as a that's, that's the kind of that's the kind of limiting language that uh, we don't we don't we don't do that on this show. There's no oh, okay. Yeah, you're not <laughs> you're it. not an, you're not that athlete yet. Okay, yeah, you're okay. gonna be Thank that athlete. That. I'm not that athlete know. yet. Not yet. Not yet. But, running uh, running itself is is already uh, very athletic. So good for you. But um, yeah, I guess that's Michael in a nutshell. Michael, did I miss anything about you that? you consider yourself um 
I don't know, man. I think I I really just think of myself as a kid from Richmond. Like like G and I go way back. Like we were probably since we were like thirteen. I I still feel like that same kid. Um, you feel like so. a kid at heart. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Even though you know, like even though you get you introduce yourself as a newlywed, you have a wife and all that kind of stuff. It's the uh, it never really. Ch- I hope it never really changes you. You know, I hope it never changes me. Hmm. Well, I, I want to uh, uh, quickly provide a bit of a quick bit of context uh, as to why we're really excited to have Michael on because I don't know if uh, folks listening remember if you listen all the way back on episode one, I think, right? G in episode one, we started talking briefly about work and like the role of work and we got really excited and we're like, oh, this is such a great topic. We got to talk about this. And then um, and then you're like, oh, actually, it'd be perfect to get Michael on my friend because He's like super hardworking and mm-hmm. he uh, work is a big part of his life. And just to get his perspective on, um, you know, how he's how he chooses to the kind of lifestyle he chooses for himself and what that means for him. And, uh, you know, that, I think that's that's a really interesting conversation. I had this conversation with a colleague just the other day about just, um, you know, like is sometimes feeling a little bit um, discouraged or demoralized or jaded with this, uh, with the work life. Um, if it's not something that's super fulfilling for you, uh, and just feeling like you're having to do the job because it's what pays the bills. But oftentimes if, unless you're really lucky, it's not something that you really get excited for every day. So it's kind of like almost like a slave, you know, I've got to trade your time for money in a way that doesn't fulfill you. And, but, uh, anyway, so that, that's sort of, I think we've been building up uh, in a way to this conversation and uh, to having Michael on for, for a while, ever since episode one, we sort of mentioned uh, work and the cultural work <laughs> these days. Okay. Why I wanted to have like Michael on is because, you know, as I mentioned, he's, he's one of the most hardworking driven people I know. I remember even just going back to like high school, like during the summer, everyone would be taking summer classes, but it's like half play, half you know, summer school, but we would all go to like Michael's house and he would just have textbooks and he would just be reading them for fun because he's always just trying to learn. So it was like ever since then, he's loving this. I see the the smile (laughs) on his face. Um, But ever since then, it was like just, you know, it got even more, um, he got even more driven. And I want to know, like, even back then, did you always want to be a doctor and well first of all thank you guys for for saying all those nice things i don't know if i uh yeah i think maybe from an outside perspective it seems like i work hard but you know i i also struggle with you know not uh uh feeling productive enough and also procrastinating just like everybody else um it's funny <laughs> the things that you say g it makes me feel, it makes it seem like i've been uh, studying my whole life but really i think it was like I think my my mom works at the library and uh, when I was little, she would set me up in an environment surrounded by books and stuff so that I, I used to watch lots of um, shows like back when Netflix wasn't a thing, I used to like stream all these How I Met Your Mother episodes and whatnot. So I, I wasn't as productive as you thought I was. I just want to say that. Uh, but uh, yeah, He's I think- humble too. Damn. <laughs> no, but I, I think as as life goes on, you know, like you get forced into these situations where you have to meet a certain, you have to meet a certain bar, you know, to move on or to succeed. And so I think it's just a progression of things that have kind of forced me to work hard now. 
Um, sorry, your, so your question, did I always want to be a doctor? No, I am more of an opportunist in a way. Like, I think I just wanted to, you know, you're, you're dealt like, uh, I always see things as like, you, you're, you're dealt a hand, uh, of cards right at the beginning of your life. And if you maximize how you play those cards, then like, for me, that's, that was my definition of success. And so. I think at each stage of life, like every couple of years, I felt like the cards were getting reshuffled and it was dealt a different hand. And so, you know, I, my goals shifted based on that. Uh, and so, you know, being a, being a doctor, I think like it was, an idea came earlier, but uh, really, I, I think it was just like every time the hands got reshuffled, every time the hands got reshuffled, I ended up having different goals that led to where I am now. I think that's maybe the best way to describe it. Can I ask, before you set your sights on um, becoming a doctor, it sounds like, as you said, your hands, your deck was shuffled a few times. So well, what did the, the deck of cards look like for you before you went on the doctor path? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think uh, like immediately before that, I was in sciences. And I think, you know, going into sciences, I had no idea what other jobs there were. Like, it just here the traditional paths, right? And then at that time, I was, I just wanted to succeed. I just wanted to be, you know, I just wanted to be the best version of myself. And so I didn't actually really know what that looked like. So I, I think I was watching Breaking Bad one day. And I thought, oh, it'd be kind of cool to like sell drugs. Uh, on a, like on a legal like a, scale, like, like, a, like a pharmacist, like, <laughs> yeah, or like or you know, like to make these this discoveries and, and you know to like maybe find the next big breakthrough. Like I thought that was kind of cool, and so I ended up going into pharmacology um, to do that. And then and then when I went into pharmacology, I figured out that now I did a couple of summers of of interning, like you know, you're at this cubicle and you're. Uh, like I was literally looking at mice like their feet for six to eight hours a day. And I was like, no, nah, this is not it. And like, I, <laughs> like the pace is so slow here. Like I don't see any tangible benefits to this. Um, and so that's, and then everybody else around me at that time was uh, going into med school. Like pharmacology was kind of a feeder program for medical school. And so I was like, hey, I'll try that. Like that, that I mean, I had been interested in that for a while. It'd been on the back of my head. So, yeah, then that's, that's when I was yeah, success means medical school. So that's sort of that. Yeah, I totally forgot that you did pharmacology at first. Um, did you ever consider like when you were going into grad school, like was there ever um, like the time and the money and everything that has to be devoted to becoming a doctor? Like, did that ever scare you or did that ever any like what if you didn't enjoy it or were you just kind of like okay well these are the the cards that I've been dealt with now if I dealt with different hands later on then I'll just pivot again yeah it was more like that because I know success is never uh it's never a permanent thing right and so you know you're every year your definition of success probably shifts like for you guys right like success last year or last season might have been to just get this podcast up and running and now you've had so much success with it like you probably have newer goals for season two right um and so i think that was the same for me i was like no i'll just make the best of what i can right now and 
probably good things will come after hopefully <laughs> that's a very i think uh would you consider yourself an optimist generally like you're a pretty positive person it sounds yeah like. i think so i kind of uh I try to create disillusionments for myself to convince myself that what I did in retrospect was the right thing to do. So in that way, you know, you're like, oh, I actually, I heard a quote from, I think it was from some kind of storybook or whatever, but it really resonated with me where someone had recommended that you live your life as if everything was rigged in your favor. And so that's kind of how I approach new opportunities and stuff like that like oh this was actually meant to be it was perfect it was, it was exactly lined up how it was supposed to be and so i treated it as such so i think what i really like about sort of what you're touching upon here is the what i'm hearing is this that like you 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 deliberately and consciously sort of manipulate the self-narrative that you tell yourself and that's a really common theme that i hear from like podcasts and books that i consume about like the story you tell yourself is the most important story that you ever um consume and it's not so much like what is actually going on. It's just like, how do you interpret it, right? So if you- it's like, this was supposed to happen to me. Like, yeah, this is like where I'm meant to be right now. Right, it's such an yeah. interesting yeah. mind. Like, it's a mindset that you like uh, uh, brainwash yourself with it, almost in a way <laughs> to be, uh, pre- be productive and, and be, be motivated. But, uh, but at the same time, I feel like there has to be that balance though, because you have goals too. Like, how would you balance that? And also kind of like, going with the flow in a sense yeah it, it's a great question g and just just for a bit of backstory david um a few years ago maybe started like several years ago g i i know g is uh, the one person that always without doubt makes a list of goals at the beginning of the year and i thought <laughs> i really enjoyed like just I'd, i would reach out there every at the beginning of every year like what are your goals this year like how are you changing them up and so it's funny you say that to me, like, cause I, I actually, a lot of that was influenced by G, um, coming up. So I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I struggle still with balancing between goal setting, um, and just trying to live for the moment. And so I, I don't really have a good answer for you there, but, uh, yeah, I'm trying to learn from you, uh, actually. <laughs> G's famous resolutions. Yeah. You well... guys talked about on the podcast too, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about it a bit. I, I, I have a question before we go too much deeper into the sort of the doctor life or sort of what that looks like for you and how you know the the, the highs and lows of that. It, so it sounds like you know throughout your life you have uh, been pretty adaptable. You know you were in pharmacology and then you shifted to medical school to become a surgeon and before that I'm sure you had you know various directions that you were going forward or different goals, but the. The constant, it sounds like, is that you were always very, very driven. You're always very motivated to like define and achieve success for yourself. And I guess I'm asking as someone who doesn't have that drive and doesn't have that like momentum and like bias for action in my life. It does it come from your parents i knew you, your, your mom provided you an environment of sort of very intellectual sort of uh interest and in being at the library all day being surrounded by books were your parents you know your typical asian parents that were just pushing you to where does where does this drive come from um is it I, a fear I, is it a fear of mediocrity is it a fear of not being something or is it you know more of a you know like 
do, do you understand what i'm trying to get at yeah 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 I, david you're so insightful man like it, not just today but like uh, you know even the <laughs> list of questions that you sent over i was like man this guy really thought through uh thought I'm through exactly really, what he wanted really yeah. curious person Inquisitive. <laughs> i love that i love that it's it's um so i mean i, I hope to match that le level of thoughtfulness but i probably won't um no, you know, just, okay. just going back to I guess I mean my parents are actually pretty chill. Like, gee, you you know my parents are like very. They never push me to be anything. Like, um, I'm, I'm I'm surprised. Yeah, like yeah, they, that's that was always like my question too because I don't. Yeah, I feel like your parents were very chill, and but you just somehow always had that like drive, and I honestly never really like asked you either like where it comes from. It just, it seemed kind of like natural to you, but I'm sure there's, you know, there's other stuff behind it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's, it, we're always a product of the environment that we're in. And so uh, I guess I was just really lucky to be surrounded by people that are very driven. Like the first person, our, our mutual friend, Stefan, uh, I knew him since probably we were 11 years old, something like that. He was incredibly driven, right? He was very... Hmm. Uh, almost too much like he would he would come over to my house after playing halo he'd be like listen i'm studying for the sats because i want to go into like a ivy league school i never even knew what ivy league school was at the time and so i was like ah sure if you want to do it i'll do it with you and so he'd be like come up with these study plans and then he'd like crunch down the numbers he's like hey if we to meet all of our targets i think we would have to study for roughly like 26 hours a day and then we'd be like, wait a minute, there's only 24 hours in a day. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, it'd just be things like that and be like, well, it's okay. We'll just cram it so that there are 26 hours a day, that kind of thing. And then, you know, and then you, you go into high school, like we were lucky, like G and I were surrounded by super driven people, like very successful now. Um, and it, it was always kind of that standard that was set, like you you must have some kind of direction it really pushed you to find a direction find something you're good at and just try to keep going with it maybe that's why you're doing this podcasting as well you know like just uh make use of the time given to you and the opportunities but i feel like part of that must have come from like your own self as well because yeah we were in the same environment but i didn't have that drive so <laughs> <laughs> so a part of that must have just come from your own, like what was just ingrained in you, or you saw that there are people striving to be really good as like a, such a major driver for you too. Maybe I, I would argue that you are also extremely driven. We just have different things that we're driven towards too, right? Like I've always been very narrow-minded towards a career, but like for you, like you, you pick up so many different things like different hobbies like like to me like you're really living life trying to experience everything and that takes a lot of drive in itself right and like to create this platform too um yeah i, I sorry going back to that question I, I think uh things changed a lot when i started playing basketball you know you, you get into athletics mm. and the nature around that especially basketball is so like toxic masculinity at the time right mm. And you're like, yeah, you, you watch all these Michael Jordan commercials, these Nike ads being like, you got to just do it. <laughs> you know, you got to push yourself to the limit. Mm -hmm. And I think probably 
after that thing, my life really changed around like because uh, I started learning discipline. And I think if I, I don't think it's drive, I think maybe it's just discipline, like the, mm. the will to just keep on going and, and suffer through things. Um, that's probably what it is. And you've and you always had that capacity to suffer through and be choose discipline. Uh, yeah, maybe I, I've suffered through enough to, to like be kind of comfortable with suffering, I guess. <laughs> hmm. Damn, yeah, driving I, I, in I discomfort. So, I, I sort of owe my inability to be disciplined and suffer through things as well as others to my overly privileged, not privileged, but I had a very, very comfortable and happy childhood. And I'm not saying you guys didn't, but like what it did for me was that it, it I feel like in hindsight now as an adult, I look back and I'm like, okay, this bred complacency and um, a lack of experience to overcome adversity because I did not, everything came easy to me. Life at home was very, very happy, very loving, very, very peaceful. Um, there was no suffering in my life until like late high school mm. um, at, at, at the earliest. And I think that did not set me up to, because life as <laughs> you know, Buddha, whatever said, life is suffering, right? Life is hard. And so I didn't, I don't think I was equipped with the tools growing up um, because I did not experience much, much hardship. Um, but I don't know if you think that you're like, I mean, you don't have to go into any details, but like generally speaking, if you feel the feel that your childhood gave you, exposed you to experiences that did make you more comfortable with, with hardship or, or not. Yeah. I, I mean, much like you did, I, I feel like we probably grew up in very similar circumstances. Like, do you mind if I ask, like, were your parents like very strict Asian parents? No, no, no they it, were the opposite of your typical Asian. They were just like, do what you love. Every time I come home from school, they're like, make sure you go to the playground first, play it and don't like, don't do homework first. Oh, that's um, not like my parents. My oh, parents okay. were the typical Asian parents. Yeah, partly because I was a super nerd. And so they were never, they never had to be scared of me not doing homework because I wanted to, like, I asked my mom for extra homework, apparently. Oh, maybe that's really? where oh, the opposite yeah. is. Really good child. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was a uh, goody two shoes. And so I think my parents didn't have to worry about me, like, not being responsible for my studies mm -hmm. or not. In fact, I was too, too nerdy. So he's like, okay, make sure you, like, go and play because, like, you can't just, you know, stay home and do homework and read books all day. Um, but they weren't yeah, strict. Yeah, the opposite. They, 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 yeah, not, not your typical tiger, tiger mom or whatever. And if you don't mind me asking, like when, when it got to the later years of high school, like what was that, what was that suffering? Uh, well, the hardship I had experienced in high school was more like social, like with friends and friendships and stuff and like, you know, high school drama and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, so it was not academically, it was not like financially or f family uh, yet. Uh, the first real hardship was, um, yeah, was on the friendship level. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's and then and then when, and then when university came, then the family hardships came because my parents' uh, uh, relationship was was tested, and then there were you know financial challenges for our family too. So there's a lot of hardship that sort of, I guess, came on, but not during my childhood. And then I think that's sort of why I'm not that I didn't have to be disciplined. I didn't have to suffer. So I just didn't learn how to do it. <laughs> uh, Michael, I like you said that like a lot of it is discipline, but throughout your journey, like, did you enjoy it too? Or was it, is it all just like, okay, I need to do this to reach my goals and just head down. This is what I got to do. Um, I, I would say at the beginning, like in the high school stages, I liked it because we were getting immediate feedback. Like I, uh, 
I, I don't know if you remember, but in grade eight, like I was talking to someone about this the other day, like they, because um, I was a, I was a bit of a clown. Um, I didn't really pay, I, like I wasn't mature at the time. So in grade eight, actually they held me back for math. I couldn't, I couldn't go along with the rest of you guys. If you remember that. I remember. We're uh, all surprised you made it to surgeon. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to name names here, but there was a, a certain math teacher who, I mean, she was nice to me and everything, but she thought I was like, I was kind of clowny. And so she was like, yeah, I don't think you're going to be fitting. Like, you're not going to, you're not going to go to math nine ten or whatever it was you guys had. Right. And then I was put in like normal math. And then that, like, to be able to qualify for IB math, I had to, like, uh, I had to take summer school. And so did Stefan, like, the guy that we were talking about before, right? So we were both, like, a little bit clowny. Um, and then, and so from that, I was like, well, if I studied a little bit, maybe I, I can do better. And then it, it was that direct, you know, the more I studied, the better my grades got. Like, you, you as a at a young age you see that directly and then people praise you for it right and you're like wow this is really cool like maybe like all the suffering is worth something um and then and then uh when it came to university it was the same thing but at that time i stopped enjoying it because i started questioning like what is all this for anyways right because it was such a rat race and i don't know if you guys know a lot of people in science it's like everyone's trying to climb into med school and it's just like I remember um, being in a physics class at the very beginning of the year. The prof was like, how many of you want to go into med school? This is a physics class, right? And then about 80% of the room put their hands up. And was like, well, there's only really enough room for like 2% of you guys here, right? Or something like that. And then and then, like, and then I remember he, like, the, he'd ask the same question year to year. And the numbers just started dwindling. But still, it was just way too many people for the number of spots. And then it's, it just bred this kind of environment where you're just looking at each other like competition. Like you got to eat somebody else for you, for you to be able to succeed. And that I really didn't enjoy. Like that was the worst part of it, I think. Yeah. I, I hear then, that that sort of uh, free for all, uh, everyone against each pit, pit against each other. I, I hear that that's very similar to law school as well, which is mm. one of the reasons I, I, I considered law because I, uh, because uh, I think I, I was like, oh, I think I could could do this, but um, yeah, I don't think I would have enjoyed that aspect either in, in, in law school, which I think is kind of similar. You're all yeah. vying, vying for the top spots, you know, being hired by the, the same best law firms, and it's like if you fail, then that's my success, <laughs> right? And it never really ends, right? Like you get in school, and then you get have to get a job, as you say, and then and then afterwards you have to like get the best job. <laughs> that really changed like after med school uh, or after getting into med school, then you're like people specialize in so many different ways that it's no longer very competitive to do any one certain thing. And so really like working hard translated to you just being a better physician. And so that, then I started falling more in love with the process. Well, I want to take us like to your current day life then as a, as a surgeon, what can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you actually do? <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll explain the clinical side of things. Because right now, as, as G knows, I'm, I'm not on full clinical duty. I'm kind of on like a bit of a sabbatical. I'm doing a, like a research fellowship uh, as my main thing. And I, I work in the hospital like maybe once, once or twice a week. Um, and I'm still in my training. So I'm towards the end of the training, but uh, it's still... So I'm not like a full-time, 
you know, um, surgical staff or anything like that. But um, the clinical day is like you, you start rounds very early. Like you got to see all your patients before you go into the OR. So we center our entire day around our, our surgical cases, right? The OR is open around, we, you start your first case around 8, sometimes 7.30. So before then, you want to see all the patients that you have that you're responsible for. So you, I usually start around 6, um, get, uh, get my team together, and then everybody kind of splits up and sees different people. And then we all come together before the OR starts, and we kind of discuss, okay, these are the plans for all of our patients today. And, and then you assign tasks, right? And then you go to the OR. And, uh, and then, you know, your day is kind of just, your day kind of passes, you know, you have your first case, probably takes maybe two hours, three hours sometimes. And then after your first case, you get go grab a bite to eat, drink something, you know, relieve yourself. Uh, and then if there are any consults that come in from the emergency department, like if you, David, you came to VGH for an appendicitis or appendicitis or something like that. Um, you'll probably be seen by one of our junior residents, uh, and you know, and then we'd after they see you, we'd review your case and look at your imaging, like a CT scan or whatever, and then just give you a plan, and then and then off we go to the next case, and then that kind of repeats itself around until probably like five or six, um, sometimes earlier, and then you kind of tidy things up and go home. When you say you're going from case to case, you know, first one starts at 7.30 or 8, it's maybe two hours, three hours. You, do you mean like an uh, like a, an operation? You're like involved yep. in a surgery or operation. So like in yep. any given day, you might like be involved in three or four surgery, different surgeries and operations. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Too. Oh, okay. Yep. So you, and you, you also, I know this is a bit of a cheeky question, but like uh, you, you mentioned, you know, after your first one, you might grab a bite, relieve yourself. So tell me, have you ever really needed to use the washroom in the middle of like, you're like your scalpel in hand, you know, the person's like guts are just hanging out. You're like operating on someone and then you got to pee really badly. Like, what do you do? It's funny, David, like when you, when you're operating on somebody, I think the, my body has never needed to pee, like never. Um, wow. I think you, you get that adrenaline and you get that like, you get that fear almost like a healthy fear and mm. all of your focus is just on a yeah. on the case in front of you. Right. Oh yeah. Do you, do you play sports, David? Uh, yeah, I play badminton, not competitively though, just for fun. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I, I, I try to describe it like playing a sport, right? Like when you, yeah. before you go into a badminton match or whatnot, like during the badminton match, if you're fully focused on it, you, you, you never really need to pee. Right. Yes. Yes. And so your body's I, like in, in a fight or flight mode, almost like you're just in the zone. Yeah. Something like that. Probably. Yeah. I know you have like the adrenaline during the surgery, but how do you feel after? Yeah. I, so I'm still very, I'm still very early on in my career. And so I haven't done, uh, especially independently, like I, I haven't done more than like a handful of surgeries, like, like without direct supervision. Um, so right now at the end of every case, depending on how it went, right? Like I, I, I'm very critical of myself. Like if I didn't do very well, I just feel like shit. Like, I just feel like, oh man, there's so many things I could have done better. And then you go into this rabbit hole of like, 
sometimes you question like if if how depending on how bad it was right if it was just a little bad you're like okay well i gotta do this better next time this better this better um and then and sometimes if you do really bad or if someone makes you feel like you did really bad you're like you kind of question your own abilities um, like should i even have should i even do this for the rest of my life that kind of thing right so it goes that's a bad end but on the good end man if it goes smooth like there's nothing better you feel like you're it's like you want to it's like you want to match david right like if you um if you had some nice highlights in your head you're like oh wow i can't believe i was able to do that i can't believe how much i've progressed since last year like these are super good moments of just your own ability right and then not to mention afterwards you get to speak to the patient and you're like like if you came in for an appendicitis we took out your appendix you're like hey we were able to get the thing out that was causing you pain and now you're going to be able to live like a nice healthy free life that like that is such a gratifying feeling as well okay not gonna lie like i know <laughs> because you're ta- you're looking at this as like work <laughs> but to me when you're talking about like i could have done like the bad things i'm just like <laughs> this is a surgery <laughs> like n- never want to yeah. go into a surgery i don't know <laughs> sounds terrifying I mean, everything is always very everything is always very safe and controlled and and i think by me saying oh that could have went better like everything that was supposed to happen still happened it's just that you could have got there much faster or you could have got there in a smoother way yeah you don't switch around <laughs> people's organs and be like oops i could have done that better <laughs> yeah. i was actually thinking the same thing as usual i was like what do you mean it could have been better like do you you, you you, you, you try to resuscitate them, but you couldn't. Oops, try it better next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, so, something I want to make a quick comment on that, um, that from what you said, Michael, is that I'm reading a book. I just finished reading a book called Grit, and I'm reading a book called Stolen Focus. And what I guess what the... I, actually, this is more about Stolen Focus, which is uh, the idea that we don't... Um, our attention, uh, our ability to pay, stay focused and pay attention to things is dwindling as a society. Mm-hmm. And then we, and then the book talks about flow and uh, the state of flow. I, I don't know if you're familiar with that, Michael, about like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a concept of state of flow. Have you heard of that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm a big fan of that uh, grit book too, by the way. Oh, you, oh, you've read it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I listened to a podcast about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's close enough. Um, yeah. so what, what you do as a surgeon or as a doctor, if it, I think that that's something that a lot of us don't have, which is you have this two or three hours of literally undivided focus and attention. And I can just imagine mentally, you're like, it's kind of like this high because how many of us are in that situation on a daily basis when we have two hours of no interruption to a single task at hand? And not only is this task requires your undivided attention, you, it also pushes you your abilities to the very edge, which is what flow requires. Flow requires you to do something that you enjoy that is within your skills, but at the very edge of your skills. So it's challenging, right? So it, that sounds like what that does for you because you're telling me that you're, uh, you know, you're improving, you're learning, it's, it's challenging, but it's not, it's not easy, but you can do it and you find yourself growing in your skills, right? So I almost envy you because it sounds like your profession allows you to have this activity that requires focus which is good which we don't have enough of 
and it provides you a flow because it pushes your skills to the very edge, but not not past it. So for all those reasons, I can see how this is a very fulfilling um, way to spend your time professionally anyway. Do, would you, does that resonate at all? Yeah, I, I love what you just said, David. I think you, I, that's an amazing skill that you have. Like you, you listen to one story and you distilled the exact reason why I went into surgery. <laughs> Like I could not have better worded it myself, you know? Oh, I'm glad you agree then. <laughs> Cause like, gee, like what's, I, I mean, badminton match, that's a good, that's a good uh, uh, analogy, right? Like sports, you're in, you're in the moment. And we as humans, we don't have that a lot these days, I think, cause we're constantly, you know, there's, there's notifications coming up, there's chat boxes throwing up and, or like, we're like, oh, I want to go to the fridge. What's in the fridge. Do you G have that in your life? Like, do you have unfocused time? <clears throat> No, actually, so I was not, thinking, not focus time, focus time rather. Sorry. I was thinking about this the other day and I was working on our like podcast stuff and I realized that I was like completely focused for like one to two hours without stopping at all. Like I was just completely focused on that, which doesn't happen at work. Like <laughs> I, I definitely get distracted at work. You know, I open one tab and then I have to open another tab because I have some like suddenly have another idea that I, I want to do. But um so yeah, I was like, okay, well, I think it's because I'm genuinely like enjoying doing this as well. But I think Michael has that like he he enjoys it. It's like a problem solving thing. Like when you're doing surgery, right? You're just like, I need to get this problem solved. And I need to figure this puzzle out. Um, but also you have like that stress that's put on you too, like pressure, stress, everything together into like this little pressure cooker. And then you just have to like, solve your problem. But do you ever feel like me listening to you being in that environment, I feel like I'm burnt out just by hearing <laughs> what you have to go through. Like you have long hours, you have all these stressful pressure. Do you ever feel burnt out? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think there's like mentally burnt out and physically burnt out. Mm -hmm. And then there's like spiritually burnt out, right? So um well, first of all, I, I want to congratulate you for, for you know, I, it, it sounds so awesome that you're like able to have that flow state while you're doing this podcast because it's, it's because it, you you've always been a creative person. Like it, it sounds like it, it, you, you've really been able to tap into your creative flow through this podcast. So that sounds amazing to me. Um, so I was, yeah, the three kinds of burnout. So physical burnout. Yeah, it definitely like not being able to sleep, uh, once every, before it was like once every four days. Now I sleep a lot, way more. But uh, you know, once every four days you just not sleep, right? So the the physical tolls it definitely takes a while to get used to, but it's something to get used to. Um, so there was a time when I wasn't used to it. Like as a as a later stage med student, I was kind of going across the country doing job interviews, basically. Like you work for maybe two weeks at a time. At, at different hospitals and, and different programs for to kind of show you that you're a hard worker and you know you belong on the team. So I remember I was in Halifax, my very first elective <clears throat> for uh, surgery, and I'd just come off of vacation, and like diving right into this, I was like dead man. Like I, my parents went with me to Halifax too, and they were like, you know, they were like, oh, why don't we go get some ice cream after? You can check out the lobster, like all the sites that Halifax has to see. And I remember just like, I didn't speak a single word. Like I was dead. Man. I was like catatonic in a way. Like I, I just sat there 
with my mind just racing, but my body not moving for hours. Uh, <laughs> and then afterwards, as your body gets used to it, um, it it becomes second nature. So physically burnt out, I don't I don't feel that unless I'm coming back from like a very good vacation. Uh, mentally burnt out, I would say the mental aspect of it, I, and maybe with all of our work, right? Like um, with with anything, it's like criticism from and and not being any expectations from our superiors. And to me, I think that's a big source of burnout. Like, oh, I'm just I'm not good enough, right? And and um, and doing too much of one thing and not getting good at it, like that, that is a big source of mental burnout for me. How do I deal with it? I don't know. Um, I'm still, <laughs> you know, trying to get through that. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, yeah, exactly. And, and then the spiritual burnout is like when you are doing something I find that you don't feel resonates with your life's journey, right? Like it's not what you're meant to do. And so I, I think, I had that before when I was counting rats, the number of times the rats were licking themselves. Uh, <laughs> You're it. like, I'm not supposed to be doing this right now. Yeah, I'm definitely else. not supposed to be here. Uh, but now I, so I don't get that. Yeah. Now you don't get that, yeah. I was going to ask you a question, but I think you just answered it, which is like, it's life, it's it's tough. So like, what gets, what keeps you going like how do you not give up how do you not be discouraged or demo uh, demotivated but i think in the last part you just answered my question which is that this is a spiritually fulfilling endeavor for you and i think i don't remember who said this but there's a quote out there uh maybe by nietzsche i don't know some philosopher probably but i think they said it's like when you have a why you can suffer anyhow mm. and and so do, do you it sounds like and this this doctor life this is this is your do you consider a like a calling like do you, obviously it's very fulfilling work but like it's certainly much better than counting rats or whatever right mice so is this your why is this is this it is is, is there anything that you think you're just this is just another step towards your ultimate goal or is this your is this enough for you to to suffer anyhow? This life yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beautifully said, man. Um, I I don't think there is an ultimate goal for me yet. Like as as I said, it changes every time the cards get shuffled. But I think the satisfaction I get from seeing myself improve and from seeing the people around me grow that is worth the suffering. And I think we shouldn't live, like, I personally don't believe that living a life absent of suffering is good for you mm -hmm. because you, you have to suffer to be able to, like, now I have so much free time because I'm, I'm on essentially desk duty. Like, I, I do a lot of, uh, of my work on the desktop now, right? Like I'm not in the hospital all the time. Um, and I found that actually before when I was, like, working these 80 to 100 hour weeks that i enjoyed my weekends a lot more because i felt like i deserved it mm -hmm. and so now i it's not that I, that I don't enjoy my weekend but they're a lot less spicy you know they're a lot less flavorful than what it was before yeah i mean i think part of the reason why you 
feel like um, you want to continue down this path still is because you probably do still have a lot to learn. Like you're still pretty early in your career, right? So there's still a lot for you to learn and grow. I think when you're at a point maybe in your career where you just feel like a bit stagnant and you're like, this is as much as like I'm at the top here. This is as far as I'm going to go. Then that's when you kind of feel like, okay, well, this is like, I don't feel good about working anymore. And I don't feel that like desire to keep pushing anymore because I'm, I'm like kind of there. And that's probably when you, when you want to change things up. Yeah. I'm curious if you guys experience a similar, like, uh, similar trajectory of growth at, at your work or if you feel like you're late enough like you, you're senior enough in your job that you know that you've already reached that point that plateau I feel like there's still growth for me for sure but not as much as like because I'm not like in in my field I'm not like that early anymore so I feel like there is some of that but at the same time I do kind of feel like a little bit stagnant as well so it's like it's it's not exactly completely one way or the other for me. What you're sharing here, Michael, is really helpful for me. I, I'm I'm ans- I'm sort of going a roundabout way of answering your question, but um, it's really helpful for me because I've always struggled with hard work, <laughs> to be quite honest. And I think what I'm hearing, and it makes a lot of sense, which is that. We, we as humans, we're meant to work hard for things and suffer to it to a degree. Life is not, as you said, it, 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 it is not meaningful without that hardship. And so it's not about trying to avoid the hardship. It's about finding the hardship that works for you. And I think the reason yeah. I struggled with work ethic or like discipline, et cetera, is because I've never found a hardship that works for me. And I'm and I and to answer your question, I still have not found it. Mm. It, I don't. I definitely don't have it at work. As 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 lucky and as grateful I am for the job I I, I do and 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 the life it gives me. I mean, I'm jealous of you, man, because it, it because it doesn't give me that like oh self growth, self improvement, learning every you know getting better you know with with my colleagues or whatever like everything that you said like I don't have that at all, and I think that's that's what's missing. And like selfishly, I you know you know these podcasts or this conversation, I'm just trying to figure out my 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 shit by like learning from other people. And I think what you said does crystallize it for me a little bit more, which is just I need to find I need to find the the, the life that I want to 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 suffer for the the, the goal that I want to uh, bear hardship for, and and I, did, and I haven't quite found it yet. And and I don't know. So do you have any advice for me or other people who who might also be not aimless, but uh, sort of treading water, not not feeling like they're living up to their potential, not feeling like they have the motivation because the job's, you know, not not amazing. Like, how do we, it's like kind of like, how do you find your passion? You, you, you have something that you enjoy a lot, but like, what if, what if I don't? What if the person listening doesn't? What, what can they do about it? Yeah, David, I, I think you hit the problem on the head right there. Like, so one, I always remember one of my mentors earlier on, he said uh, to me, working hard is the easiest part, right? It's, it's easy to work hard. What's hard is finding what you want to work hard towards, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a, I think that's a problem I, I, I definitely struggle with right now is, you know, to find that ultimate, like, to find that ultimate uh, goal or whatever it is that you want to 
go towards, right? Um, something that someone, another mentor has told me before is when you're lost in times like these, it's good to be a little bit underemployed. And so that creates a room for fostering creativity, for fostering what you want to do. And when, and you must be careful about setting up what this is. Like, don't rush into things. Like, it's just like how we, at the very beginning, like maybe you're at the beginning of your badminton match or whatever, right? Like you lace up shoes, you're like talking game plan or, or whatever, right? Maybe you just dive into that, I don't know. But, you know, it, you got to treat yourself like a, like a professional athlete, like a professional at whatever you do. And take time to set yourself up. Like NBA, I'm a big basketball fan. I don't know if you are, David, as well. I'm uh, not, sorry. Not really? Okay. <laughs> Maybe some of your audience will be, but yeah, I, yeah. you know, they, football fans too, like they take a whole week, like days watching film of their next opponent. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. I watch hockey and I think people in hockey do that too. They watch yeah, a lot exactly. of tape. You watch, yeah, exactly. You, you got to watch tape. You got to like, and then you tailor your, your, your approach based on how your game is. Your game is only going to be like a three or four hour period, but the, the time leading up to that takes much, much longer. And so I think that's the way I think about a career is like your career might be pretty short or like the amount of time that you spend at work is pretty short, but the time that you take to prepare for it, to prepare yourself mentally and physically and spiritually for it might be a lot more than that. My my personal like testimony to when I feel like the happiest or most fulfilled is kind of like what you were saying earlier, Michael, about how when you were working those like 80 to 100 hour weeks, you would have like, you would feel more fulfilled and enjoy your weekend like that much more. I think it really is just like putting yourself in challenging situations and overcoming them. Like what we've been talking about a lot on our podcast is like, you have to get into those uncomfortable situations. And then when you overcome them, at least for me, that's like when I feel the most like fulfilled and happy, but not all of us like want to do that because it's uncomfortable, right? Like it's not, it's not, you want to, I don't know, humans just want to be like in a state of comfort. So it's not mm. naturally what you want to do. But for you, like, I feel like your job always has that is like putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation, right? Like, maybe one day when you are comfortable with it, then you won't feel like as fulfilled anymore Be because right now it's still a challenge to you and you're still learning and growing, but that's what brings you joy when you can like solve that problem or puzzle. At least for me, that's when I feel most fulfilled. Right. And you get that from, from diving, right? From, from our previous conversation. Well, it's it's like a lot of things. Like I feel like for work, even when I feel the most fulfilled is when I when I accepted a challenge or something that I was uncomfortable with doing, and I did it. And then afterwards, it's like that after work feeling of when you're like, oh, like I overcame something so challenging today. It's it's a great feeling, but it can be anything, right? Like we've been doing our cold showers, putting ourselves into other like uncomfortable situations. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just building on what you said, G. I think um, for me and I, I, and for some people that I've talked to, like the the thing that makes me the most happy, like the purest form of happiness, comes after conquering exactly as you said, a, a conquering a fear or 
in situations where you thought where you think there's no way I'm gonna get out of here, those are the most like and then you, and then you do get out of it. Oh man, those are the best like mm-hmm. sheer nirvana. You know, like I, I think that's the highest form of happiness for for me. Right now, Michael, because you're on desk duty, leave, whatever you're calling it. Um, do you feel like you have more time to like enjoy other aspects of life? And do you miss those 80 to 100 hour work weeks? Like, how are you feeling in terms of fulfillment these days? Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to be honest and say I'm quite lost at the moment. Um, I, so I struggle to find work-life balance as you do, G, um, outside of work because so much of my life was my work for such a long time. Um, I, I do I find I, I I found different hobbies, right? Like different challenges, like running that half and trying to pick up. Like I'm gonna try to pick up some sort of martial arts uh, with a buddy, but. Yeah, I've had a lot more time to sit down and just have time to myself, which has been fantastic. But I also struggle now with finding a purposeful activity as a life component of the work-life balance. And I think it's interesting that you even say that because that's what makes you you in, in, in how you've achieved what you've achieved. In that when you are in this uh, phase of uh, lower stress and demands because of your sabbatical whatnot, it occurs to you that something's missing. Whereas for a lot of folks, if you're just comfortable, they're not going to be like, wait, I'm too comfortable right now. Let me, I need to find something to work hard for. <laughs> right? Yeah. I think that's actually just in a nutshell, that's, that's what makes you different than someone else who might not be achieving everything that they could achieve is that you, you, you want that hardship and the goal to be striving towards and when you don't have it you realize it and it's something that's missing a lot of people as g said earlier is just they're just happy being comfortable totally i i or or they're happy quote unquote they think they're happy but maybe they could be happier yeah exactly i find myself like i have to actively think about that all the time where like if i'm comfortable i'm like okay maybe i should go be doing something but to michael it's like I don't want to say it comes naturally, but maybe it does. Because when you're in this state right now where you have a lot more free time, like you're not, you're just like, okay, where is the challenge? Where is my work? Like, where is, um, you know, the hard stuff? So, but maybe that's also just ingrained in you from so many years of having to do that too, right? Yeah, maybe uh, this is a super interesting area that I wanted to get you guys' opinions on too. Like the, this whole work-life balance, right? I feel like at times this whole work-life balance is something that's sold to us by, you know, like books, like a four-hour work week or whatever, right? Like that you have to achieve some like measure of, you have to have this many hours of work and this many hours of free time. And your free time should be, you should exercise, you should meditate, you should do this and do things that are fulfilling to you. Have some kind of arts in your life or creative outlet and stuff like that. Like, I wonder if that like is is the reason why we sometimes struggle like with that work-life balance is hey i've achieved this formula but somehow i don't feel very balanced you know well i think it's because a lot of people 
work, their career is not what they actually enjoy doing. Like if you, you know, so if you enjoy your work so much, then you kind of have that balance. Like even if you want to work 80 to 100 hours, that to you is balance because that's also part of your life. But for a lot of people, like their work is work. Like, you know, they go to work, they earn their money and they come home and they try not to think about it and they maybe dread going back to work the next day. So in order to have that, they need things that they do enjoy, life and work. Like it's very separate for a lot of people, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Work-life balance as a concept, as a ideal exists solely because for the people who do seek work-life balance, these people don't enjoy work. I don't enjoy, like I, no, I don't, not I don't enjoy it, but I don't, it's not my, it's not spiritually fulfilling. It isn't, it's not like, oh, this is what I'm, I'm happy spending my time on earth doing this. This is what I'm meant to do. Like, I don't have that. Uh, and so right. because I don't have that, that's why I need work-life balance. So not everyone, I mean, I think if you're like, and so I think it's safe to assume based on this conversation, Michael, you, you, you find your work very fulfilling. It's very uh, spiritual, like spiritually uh, fulfilling and very meaningful. You're very lucky. I think most people, I think mo- many, if not most people, don't have that. Yeah. Mm. And so, so being on the other, uh, and thank you for saying that, like, I do feel very fortunate that I somehow stumbled into something that I, I like. Um, but I mean, being on sometimes on the other side of not completely loving what you do, do you find that like carving out time to hit these specific goals that you know you read in books like i need to have the x amount of time for my creativity x amount of time for just leisure x amount of time for exercise like does that balance work for you like do you find that makes you happy well i don't i don't like necessarily set out time but to me like work-life balance is that i'm not consumed by work like and that's probably because i'm not like you where i like feel like work is not a job anymore because I do feel like that. So to me, it's like, okay, I have my work and then I also have the things that I want to do in my life. That to me is balance. Like if I can have both, then that's balanced to me. I don't necessarily have to schedule it, but it's having that. Right. Okay. Thank you. What I'm learning from you, Michael, and and, and from the books I'm reading and, and this conversation is that I don't need work-life balance when I've found a goal in my life that I care about to do. Everything will fall into place. Like Grit talks about this, which is, is one of the questions I was going to ask you, but it's like you need people who have grit, who have success in their life, they have a high, a high, high-level goal. And then under this high-level goal is like three somewhat high, high-level goals. And then it branches off. And then everything that you do in your life moves you in the direction of this highest level goal, whether it's getting mm-hmm. enough sleep, taking care, like, you know, meditating, whatever. Let's say like you want to be the best. Let's say your high level goal is to serve society by saving lives and, 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 and being a doctor. Well, for example, you could be like, well, I need to meditate, not because I need to meet a quota, but for me to be sharp and rested and have a clarity of mind, this is what I need to do to be a good doctor. 
right? So it's not like, oh, I'm doing meditation just because I need this balance. So I need this life part of me. It's like, no, what do I need to do to, to push myself towards this high level goal? And I think that if your high level goal does not involve you having to meditate, then you don't need to meditate. If your high level goal does not involve you having to have, you know, leisure time, then you don't need, then you don't need it. And it's not a deficit. So I think we need to ask ourselves, what is the high level goal and what does our life look like? What does our life need to be to get us in the direction and move us towards this high level goal? It's not about a formula or work-life balance. I think the reason, as I, yeah, as we've discussed, that work-life balance exists for people who, like me, who, who, whose work is just a job and there, and there may be a lack of a high level goal that we are passionate about, that we are working and striving towards that is our like life uh yeah the, the 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 life goal that that we set for ourselves so it's maybe not directly answering your question but sort of more philosophical like why does work-life balance is even here i think it's because people lack a goal and so they need to like find leisure and pleasure in life outside of work to make the work and suffering that they don't want to suffer for worth it it's like oh well at least i get to you know have my Chardonnay or my red wines and stuff. And so I can go back and suffer for the next 35 hours this week. <laughs> it's not, a, it's not, and that's the, I don't want to live life like that. So I, right now I am personally trying to figure out my high level goal and to make everything else more meaningful. Yeah. Man, David, that was so insightful. Like I, I'm very glad we had this conversation today because that's something that I will take away with me. So thank you for that. Well, can I ask you, like, in not just why it's insightful, but like, so what is, is, is your life right now? Have you, that's, I guess my question, right? Do you have a higher level goal that your current work gets you closer to, or is your current work already the final goal? Uh, yeah, my, I mean, my current work definitely isn't the final goal. I think I, I mean, I still don't know what the, what the final goal is, but what you said about that, having that, like, that oh, main hierarchy. goal, yeah, you know, that yeah. couple goals that fit, but all with that driving towards that main goal. I, I think, you know, being good at my job and being the best surgeon that I can be is probably one of those sub goals. And then another one right now, which I'm working on is like trying to find a way to uh, make healthcare like equitable for, for everybody, mm -hmm. right? Like I I've specifically I focus on immigrants because that's kind of where our background is from. Um, and so I, I think I have a few of those sub goals, but I struggle all the time with what is the main thing. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, uh, I got that concept from the book grit, which, uh, is, uh, change, change how I live the rest of my life. So, uh, mm -hmm. if anyone's interested, I highly recommend that book. Maybe one last question for you, Michael, because this podcast is about, um, that thirties show, I guess, you know, you just turned 30, not too long ago, but in your 30s, do you see kind of like your lifestyle or your goals maybe shifting um, for the next few years? Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people who have a career similar to yours where they're just like they put in so many hours and they're always in high stressful situations, like example, for example, like um, athletes, they work really hard for a period of their time and then they like retire early or they're like, you know, they, they, um, sit back, um, earlier on and they can reap all the, I guess, the benefits of putting in that hard work earlier on. So do you kind of see that for yourself or in the next few years, what are you, 
what's the crystal ball saying? Yeah, I, I um, entering the 30s club as a very juvenile member, I think the 30s will probably be the most productive decade yet. I think it, I think my life will drastically change for sure because I think I'll, you know, finish training and start my, you know, start establishing a practice and all that kind of stuff. So that comes with its own challenges. So the grind, not necessarily the grind, I'll say the climb doesn't stop. And I hope it never does. Um, you're saying like, uh, whether you meet a point where you kind of, you can retire. And I, I, hopefully if I've done the right things throughout my life, I'll never have to retire. And oh, I think the amen. benefit of what I have, like I, I've already sold the benefits of my hard work in that, you know, I'm able to, I'm able to do this. I'm able to live in Vancouver. I'm able to, you know, still maintain good friendships with, with people that I grew up with and, I'm really thankful for that every day. And I think just having the opportunity to see another mountaintop, like, you know, instead of seeing a plateau, I'm staring at the side of a cliff, right? There's like so much left to go. I think that in itself is, um, it's exciting. And, and I'm very thankful for that. That's awesome. Amazing. Well, we'll see what the next uh, decade will hold for you, I guess. So something that uh, Lewis House does on his podcast, uh, he's a, you know, motivational lifestyle coach person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to quickly do is he, he acknowledges the guests at the end of the podcast. And Michael, this is literally just, you know, an hour ago. I've never met you. I've never talked to you. But um, don't mind me being a bit cheesy. But I just want to acknowledge that, like, it's so clear, even just from this conversation, that like what shines through for me, that's something I appreciate, Michael, and that I am inspired by from you is you, no matter, regardless of the, the you know, success that you've had in your life in the traditional sense, you know, career and, and, and with your wife and with your, with your home and all that, in, in the way that you have this conversation with us that I don't see in everyone is you exude so much humility, curiosity, open-mindedness, and uh, self-reflection. You know, you ask us questions, not that I need my guests to ask me questions, but like the fact that you do, it it tells me something about who you are, the way you answer your questions about like, oh, it's my environment. I don't think it's a, it's an act. I think you're, you know, you're giving your honest answer, but it's like, you recognize that, you know, I think something that I've, I've, I've heard of, for example, right. Is that always you have, you should always realize that luck plays a huge role in both your success and your failure Mm -hmm. and that there's only so much that you are responsible for in the sense that we have to be grateful when we are both, when we are successful and we have to be humble and, and self-compassionate when we are failing, because there's a lot of things that are just serendipitous and, 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 uh, uh, not, not within our control. And, you know, when you say like, Oh, I'm happy to have friends that are very driven or, uh, my, my, my mom put me in a library every day. Um, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that you, 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 your, your, your character is, is, uh, is is really solid (laughs) thank you so uh, much yeah thanks for bringing that energy onto this conversation uh really appreciate it yeah well i i mean i I gotta thank both of you for having this creative outlet and for the insight that like i mean i feel like i'm i was just in an hour-long therapy session (laughs) like and and now i have a little bit more of a zest for life you know so i'm thank you for putting on this platform i think it's uh 
I feel like each time I listen to your episodes, it's a different theme and I'm learning something different about life and about your 30s. And so I don't know if that's the original intent of it, but I feel like every time it's original content and, and that's definitely hard to achieve. So congratulations to you both for doing that. Well, thanks for saying that. And that is our exact intent with this podcast because we wanted to, yeah, just uh, interview different people living in their 30s and different walks of life, right? And everyone is living it differently. So it's nice to hear. But yeah, thanks again, Michael, for coming on. Uh, we've been friends for so many years. So I know a lot about you, but I actually, you know, learned quite a few things from this podcast. So thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing with us. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me end on, uh, not end, but let me wrap up by just reminding folks to uh, give us a follow uh, wherever you are listening to podcasts. If you enjoy the contents, uh, can really help us out if you give us uh, a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Let us know what your thoughts are. We've launched our Instagram now for season two at that mm -hmm. 30s show pod. So give us a DM. Tell us when we're good tell us when we can be better if you want to come on the show like we have you know many friends that we're very lucky to have but you know whether we know you or whether we don't i think it's just interesting to talk to folks in their 30s and and just learn how your life is how you're living your life and and sort of what you do to to uh to thrive um and so let us know if you're interested to come on but uh thanks so much for listening uh hope you'll tune in next week and uh you know, see you on our socials. We're, we're like, hopefully by, by the time you're listening to this, we've got clips up on TikTok. We've got shorts up. Uh, we've got video clips up on our Instagram reels. And so uh, definitely give us some follow. It should be that 30 show pod uh, everywhere you everywhere you find us. So uh, thanks again, Michael. Thanks, G. Uh, we'll catch you all next week. Thanks, yeah, everyone. Looking forward to more content from you guys. All right. Yeah. Bye. All right. Bye.